0: So, on a day that we're doing a potluck, I'm going to talk about fasting. (laughs) So, I thought you would like that connection. Um, In uh, 1983, at the uh, concert at Red Rocks in Colorado, um, U2, on the Under a Blood Red Sky record, begins their song, Sunday Bloody Sunday, with this short speech, because I guess there had been rumors... But Bono says, this song is not a rebel song. And then he sing the song. So I want to use that to transition into the sermon, that this sermon is not a wellness sermon. <laughs> so if you thought this was going to be like Daniel fast, intermittent fasting, whatever the thing is that you might be doing, I'm not doing that. So we're talking about The spiritual practice of fasting. And I know that some of you might be thinking, it's not Lent, and so why are we talking about this? But I want to talk about it. There's lots of different reasons that uh, in both Jewish and Christian tradition that people fast, and I'm going to get into that, and there's just one aspect of it that I want to share with you today, and it's connected to last week's sermon on suffering, and so you'll see that connection in a moment. But let's break down these uh, words that Jesus said just quite briefly here at the beginning, He begins his teaching on fasting by saying these words, and whenever you fast. So the statement here is based on this assumption that you will fast. Two things that we can see uh, in this whole text. First, when you fast. There's this long history of fasting. And when Jesus is speaking about this, there's no such thing as a, Christianity, as it were. So he's speaking in a very Jewish mindset. And there's a long history of this practice uh, in the Jewish people's life and community life and so forth. For example, um, on the cover of your bulletin, I have this nice piece of art that depicts uh, Queen Esther calling for a fast of her people. If you don't know the story of Esther, um, I'm not going to get into it today, but I'll just tell you this much. There was a plot to do some great harm to the Jewish people. And Esther calls on her people to fast as a way to collectively not just think about what was happening, but to pray and to focus the thoughts and the prayers of the people in that way. And so in some ways, the Jewish tradition, fasting was a way to cry out to God. But also it was a practice of confession, this kind of cleansing Of the self, this new beginning, asking God to forgive and things like that. And you can imagine, too, another reason that people would fast would be to mourn uh, the loss of someone. We see this in King David's life in the Old Testament where he mourns the loss of several people in his life through fasting. Another interesting aspect was it was a way to participate in acts of justice. Notice what the prophet Isaiah says here it's a very beautiful text about this is it not the is, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice to undo the straps of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free to break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not To hide yourself from your own kin. These are beautiful words. And we see this practice of fasting as a way to serve the poor uh, in the Christian tradition as well. And there's a long history of fasting in the Christian tradition. I mentioned earlier the season of Lent. Does anyone ever do something in Lent like, I'm not going to do chocolate or caffeine or something, anybody? Okay, a couple of you. That's great. Um, We'll work on that next year, but um, uh, it is a way to um, deprive yourself of things that normally would just be just part of your life as a way to disrupt your daily rhythms, but also to kind of disrupt the body as well. And so Lent has is, um, is a long tradition uh, in Christianity as a way of fasting, especially during Holy Week. It's quite traditional to fast uh, on Good Friday. There are churches, even today, that where the meal on Good Friday is the last meal until Easter Sunday. You break the fast with the communion on Easter Sunday. It's a pretty beautiful tradition. There's also a long, thousands of years old tradition of fasting before you were baptized. This season as you're leading into a baptism of fasting. As early as the... Second century, late first century, we see Christians fasting twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays. You can see this in ancient letters and texts that we have. It's very interesting. And in connection to the uh, Isaiah text that I just read, there was a practice to withhold from food so that the food could be given to the poor. Isn't that beautiful? That fasting had a means of giving and a sense of justice to it. So Jesus... When Jesus said, when you fast, there is an assumption there that you will. Not if, but you will. There are no hard and fast rules on when you do that. And so it's just simply whenever you do, keep these things in mind. It's part of the tradition. But the second thing to notice that Jesus talks about is the inward nature of fasting. He says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may uh, be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. One of my favorite New Yorker Yorker cartoons uh, takes place at the burial of a person. And the priest says, would anyone like to share any final words? and someone in the crowd says i'm vegan <laughs> i don't mean to offend but it's pretty funny <laughs> it's pretty funny and usually when people are fasting for whatever reason not in a spiritual sense but in a health and wellness sense they'll tell you right <laughs> they'll tell you they got their green juice on the table and they'll tell you i'm fasting right now you know can you tell But Jesus hits on this inward nature of fasting, this privacy to it, this kind of fasting that isn't being signaled to anyone outwardly in any sort of way, which is hard for us, especially since we can uh, share our thoughts at any time on multiple platforms about what we're doing and how we're thinking about things. It's very hard for us in this age of what I would call just mental fidgets, where we think of something and we share it immediately, and the kids are having fun. <laughs> but Jesus hits on something that may seem unique to our time that we would overshare, but people did it then. People walked around and made themselves look like they were fasting. Can you tell that I'm tired and hungry? putting even extra makeup on their face to accentuate the lines of fatigue. All of that was as common as it might be today. But the privacy of it all, Jesus is very interested in, that fasting is not being shared, but it's deeply personal and intimate, something between you and God. And what I want to talk about today, just for a few minutes, is the practice of fasting as a way to suffer with people who are suffering. This is a practice that we see in both Jewish and Christian history. And it's a very powerful mode of fasting, to suffer with and alongside someone. Last Sunday I talked about suffering as a practice in our faith, which seems odd, but it's, it has to do with understanding that suffering cannot be avoided. It just can't be. And so what we do as people of faith is we embrace suffering in our own life. We embrace that experience in some way, and it helps us grow, not just in our dependence on God, but what we talked about last week was it helps us, if we focus on this aspect, it helps us to grow in our compassion and mercy towards others, because when we see the suffering in others, we remember that we too have been through things. We've been through our own pains and hardships. And in those moments, we can be transformed into this vehicle of mercy and compassion, right? That's, that's one of the outcroppings of our own personal suffering, is that we remember that it's a universal human experience at all different levels. And so uh, this fasting as a way to suffer with people is a very doable and powerful way to practice this habit. I want to reread a section of the psalm that was read earlier. I, it speaks to this, but the writer says, But as for me, when they were sick, you know, someone else, I wore sackcloth, I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my bosom as though I grieved for a friend or brother. I went about as one who laments for a mother, bowed down, In mourning. Do you see that connection? When people in your life are suffering, you too can enter that in a way. I mean, wow. (laughs) I I feel like we should raise the party level in here, I don't know. Any um, 90s youth group kids in here? Right? Great songs. All kinds of cool programs, but do you guys remember the thirty-hour famine? Anybody? Anybody remember this? If you're not familiar with this, uh, it's it's a it's an event that World Vision puts on. I feel like they might still do it, but I've been out of youth ministry for so long, I don't care. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but we used to do it, and basically, what you do is uh, kids raise money to send to World Vision, and um, they raise money by the hour or something like that. I don't know. It's like a walkathon sort of thing, but without food. And uh, the the premise was you would you would kind of do an all nighter with your youth group, and they would not eat for thirty hours, which isn't really that long, um, but I guess it is when you're fifteen. <laughs> and so we would do these year after year. And one year um, we did it with multiple youth groups so we could get discounts on you know two a.m. putt putt because we did all these events all night. Basically, we ran them. We just fatigued our kids. I mean, that made them hungrier and grumpier. And then I remember in the planning meeting at this one, one year we did it, um, I said, a bunch of us youth guys, I said, I mean, they're going to get hungry. You know, this is going to be bad. I'm not really good with complainers. so I was like trying to stave that. And I was like, I really don't want to hear my kids complain about being hungry. And so we were just sort of laughing about that. But we came up with a solution. It, it, the solution was both a temptation but also a way out. Uh, if you did the 30-hour famine correctly, you got the lanyards, and they wore lanyards all night. I don't know why. Um, makes it seem official. So we said, why don't we duct tape a pack of those, like, cheese and cracker packets to every lanyard? That's their emergency ration, okay? But we're going to duct tape it so you really can't get the thing out of there. And so it was really funny to me because at like 2 in the morning, you'd see a kid come up, and it would be open, and there's crumbs stuck to the duct tape. You know, they're trying to get the cracker out. Oh, it was great. It was great. <laughs> so again, kind of a temptation, but also an olive branch uh, to the suffering of not eating for 30 hours. Right. But I think the point of that event, and it does accomplish this in a way, it's a way to participate in a suffering that is happening in real-world experiences with people. That's really the point. And also to help fund efforts to fix that. And it's interesting to think about fasting in this way, as a means of suffering with and alongside people. Because when the pangs of hunger hit, what happens is that we remember the suffering and the hardships of our friends in that moment. That's the point. When someone's going through something and you decide, I'm going to fast as they go through this, when we get hungry, we are reminded and prompted to stop, to pray, to pour out rather than to consume and take in. We often cover our sufferings with intake. But fasting forces us to think about an emptying. And even on the behalf of others. And so the application here is quite simple. When someone you know is suffering or going through something very difficult. Like the loss of a loved one or even the loss of a career Or the loss of a marriage or any important relationship that has disrupted their life. Somebody might be having an upcoming surgery or a medical procedure. Or maybe just an upcoming difficult conversation with a family member or a friend that's creating a lot of anxiety. Even people that might be injured in their faith. And struggling to hang on and they've shared this with you the list is long but what i know is that if i write down or type in the notes on my phone pray for so and so it can get missed are you with me on that because it's just another thing in a device but the sudden pain of hunger is a pretty powerful reminder I could eat, or I'm reminded that I can pray or send a note of encouragement. Because fasting, in all its forms and for all its reasons, is a way to disturb the body through willful neglect in order to focus our hearts and minds and our prayers on people who are suffering. It's a mode of suffering with others. And a way to share in their pain. So, when you fast, and I'm saying that as an assumption, that this is a practice we should develop. When you fast, your clothes might feel a little loose. But that is not the goal. When you fast, you do it as a way to enter into the troubled life of the ones that you love. And to share in their pain through your own self-administered neglect. And the decision to restrain from consumption. And instead, to pour out your energy and your efforts in prayer and encouragement. Amen. Practice this. It involves listening to your friends. And listening to those you love. I i half past dead. I just need to find a place where I can lay my head. Mister, can you tell me where a man might find a bed? He just ran and shook my hand. No was all he said. said, hey, come on, come on, let's go downtown now, she said, I gotta go, but my friend can stick.